Hey guys, it's Simon. This is Pro Wrestling Unlimited. As it's Wednesday, and that means we're here to talk about AEW Dynamite. I thought the show itself, I'm going to just say it was so-so. I didn't think it was anything extra special, but I didn't think the show was like uproariously horrible or anything. I've seen some people say one of the worst episodes of Dynamite I've ever watched. I wouldn't go that far, but Luke, give me your early quick impressions on the show hey guys what's up my name is luke and honestly tonight it was just a just an okay episode like nothing great nothing like grabbed my attention like nothing went like oh that was amazing no it just felt like just an ordinary episode of dynamite like if i'm gonna be honest and Others will probably agree with this. Maybe, maybe not. Biggest thing to come out of this show is that Jeff Jarrett is now with AEW, which, oh boy, did I not expect to see that one. So. Yeah, I did not, I did not expect that either, especially for it to be like this soon. Well, I, I, I mean, he had been working with WWE on and off for the last couple of years, so it's like, okay, whatever. But I just, I didn't expect him... To come in and be an actual on-screen full-time character. Because he freaking said, I'm waging war on the roster. Which means this ain't a one-time thing. Or he ain't looking for like a one match with Sting and Darby or something. Sounds like Jeff Jarrett might be sticking around for a little while. So we'll get into all that since that was the first match of the night. But I mean, uh, how old is Jeff Jarrett now? 50-something? Jeff Jarrett is 55. Which is older than Chris oh, wow. Jericho. Because Jericho, who is the Ring of Honor World Champion, is 51. Actually, Jericho will be 52 in a week. In seven days. Exactly, actually. In seven days, Jericho will be 52. But yeah. Jeff Jarrett is 55. And they're bringing him in. And it sounds like he might wrestle. So, I mean, but... Uh, I mean... I mean I say that since Saturday in the chat says age doesn't matter, which I was about to get at because Sting's had matches and he's 65 ish or something like that. So if they can go just just wrestled Ric Flair over the summer, right? He wrestled Effie earlier this year for GCW. So, I mean, he can still go like in that Ric Flair match, Jarrett body wise and everything. He looked fine. He looked good. He didn't look like some, old beat down guy. So, I mean, he's four or five years, no, three, four years older than Jericho and physique wise, he looks better than Jericho. So there's a positive. But with that, I want to say thank you. If you are watching us live, twitch.tv forward slash PW unlimited. And I also want to thank you if you're watching or listening later, whether that's youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited or podcast services all around the globe, like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you not just have Amazon Prime, but have access to an Amazon Prime account, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, 
free stuff for games, and they always give you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited, but don't just do it to help us. Help yourself, because there's new games out now. There's Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade for free. There's The Last Day of June for free. Fallout New Vegas Ultimate Edition, Facility 47, WRC 9, and so much more. All of these games for free with your Twitch Prime subscription. Also, you got a PC where you maybe play some Game Pass on it? Well, right now, starting, I want to say, Friday through the end of next week, for any Twitch channel that you give two subscriptions to, two new subscriptions, whether you've never subscribed before, they're um, gifted subs, you will get three free months of Game Pass PC. Basically, you pay two subscriptions, which is $5 a piece, you pay $10, and you get three months for free. Game Pass, 10 bucks a month. So you're getting two months for free, technically, with Twitch. Twitch is giving you a three-month pack. So basically, it's buy one, get three free, or get two free if you subscribe to any channels, and hopefully you do it right here. Two subscriptions, and you get Game Pass for three months. Game Pass on PC. Also, remember, if you are watching on YouTube, you can help us out over there by hitting the donate or hitting the join button to become a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. Just like I got an interview coming Friday. And if you're a channel member or subscribe to patreon.com forward slash PWUnlimited, you will get that interview early before it drops next week for everybody else. Also, remember to head over to the Epic Game Store. Oop, and I clicked the wrong button there. I clicked the wrong button. Head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming one of the free games or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, or even Rumbleverse, then you can use our code right down here, PWUnlimited. You'll be supporting us at no extra cost. Doesn't cost you anything extra to type in that code other than like 20, 30 seconds. Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. Use code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D on all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. And you'll be directly supporting us right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Hey, Fortnite's got a bunch of new Star Wars stuff. You can get Luke. You can get Leia. You can get Han Solo. So if you're going to do so... Remember to put our code at the very bottom of the store in Fortnite, whether that's on your PC, your Xbox, your PlayStation, or your Nintendo Switch, or even your mobile device. Use this code when you're buying some of them new Star Wars skins in Fortnite. But with that, we got Dynamite to talk about that opened up with Jay Lethal versus Darby Allin. Uh, AEW commentators Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Taz opened up the show running down the card really quickly and the match got underway quick, like really fast because Darby made his entrance and Jay Lethal and Darby didn't wait much longer. As Jay Lethal was coming down to the ring, he was already taking his ring clothes off, I guess you could say his entrance gear off and they met right at the bottom of the ramp and they start going at it. Allen had his ribs taped up from the attack last week and Lethal targeted the ribs early as they brawled on the outside. We then eventually did see Sanjay Dutt and Satin M. Singh come down to the ring, but we never saw, I guess you could say, the one person that 
So Jay Lethal said last week, I, I know somebody that knows all of your weaknesses. And that person has told me all of those. And so now I want to fight you because I know your weaknesses, blah, 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 blah. That was a letdown, but we'll get to that in a moment. So they're going, and there's a lot of back and forth, quick action early on. At one point, Lethal applied the figure four with Allen trapped under something, just like we saw last week. This time it was the guardrail. Lethal hit a released German suplex on the apron and then focused on the ribs and controlled the action throughout the entire picture-in-picture break. Almost immediately back from the break, Allen hit a springboard coffin drop, but the ribs were worked over too much as Lethal regained control. Allen countered a top rope elbow into a crucifix, which didn't really look good. You can tell that Jay Lethal was not actually intending to hit the elbow because he, like, comes off the top rope. Like, oh, here comes the king's elbow. But he's got his whole body like this, kind of, ready just to give it to Darby to crucifix him over. So I'm like, oh, that didn't look too uh, too good. But regardless, he gets a two off of it, Darby, that is. He avoids a lethal injection and puts him in a rear naked choke, which then leads to a top stunner. Lethal then bails to the outside where Allen tried to dive through the ropes, but literally just bounced off Satnam Singh like he hit a wall. The ref then kicked Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh out of the ringside area like they did something wrong when they actually didn't. Literally, Satnam Singh was standing like this. Darby jumped, bounced off of him, and they get kicked out. Like, really? Come on. Then... The ref's dealing with all of that, and someone wearing a sting mask and a sting jacket attacked Darby from behind with a baseball bat. They hit him in the ribs and throw him back into the ring. Jay Lethal hits the lethal injection and picks up the victory. So the masked guy is in the ring with Satin M. Singh. He's in there with, with Jay Lethal. He's in there with uh, Sanjay Dutt. And they're like, at first they're like, is that sting? Is that sting? And then I think it was Taz goes, no, that can't be Sting Excalibur. Look at the body. That's not Sting's body. We we know what Sting's body looks like. And it was uh, Cole Carter of the factory. So, like, they're teasing taking the hood and the mask off. And the crowd's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And as soon as the mask comes off, the crowd goes, whoa. Just dead silent when we find out it's Cole Carter. Just complete silence. And I'm like... They thought this was a good idea? What does he know about Darby? What kind of history do they have? Nobody knows. Like, what? Cole Carter? So the crowd's not giving two shits about any of this. And everyone's looking over at you know, Cole Carter, because Darby jumped back into the ring or whatever, ran them off. They're on the ramp. Satin M. Singh's trying to yell back at Darby in the ring or whatever. And all of a sudden, we hear a little bit of a commotion, and somebody jumps in the ring. You see the hat. And as soon as you see the hat on Jeff Jarrett, you know it's Jeff Jarrett. Got the hat, the long black drench coat, whatever. Darby turns around, waffles him with the with the guitar. So the other guys get back into the ring. I guess these are they're all a group now. Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, Satin M. Singh, and Cole Carter. I don't know. Maybe. And Jarrett told him he just learned a lesson from the last outlaw. He said Sting has become Allen's biggest weakness. 
Jarrett said that he has a message for the delusional AEW fan base. Jarrett would then run down his resume to the tune of You Still Suck from the Chance as he called fans slap nuts. He then said that he's waging a war on the entire AEW roster. And the segment ended. They sent it to John Moxley backstage. But Luke, what are your thoughts on Cole Carter coming out here to help and then Jeff Jarrett appearing as well? I mean, Cole Carter seems so random to add in there. Like, mm-hmm. you just see, like when he pulled the mask off and it was like, it's Cole Carter. I was like, who? Yeah. Guy. I bet you 90% of the fan base didn't know who that was till they said, that's Cole Carter. The Jeff Jarrett part, you know, like, I didn't mind that because, you know, Jeff Jarrett teamed with Jay Lethal will take on Ric Flair and Andrade. Mm-hmm. That part made sense to me. I was like, okay. Right. Plus, he's got the history. Real quick. Plus, he's got the history with Jay and Sanjay from Impact and TNA going back however many 15, 20 years. Yeah, it made sense. But why would you put Cole Carter in there? Like, Especially when they kept saying, the factory's Cole Carter. The factory's Cole Carter. Well, who the hell cares about the factory first off? Like, when was the last time we even seen the factory? Last week on Dark, I believe both Aaron Solo, you can correct me in the chat or the comments below, both Aaron Solo and QT Marshall worked matches last week on either Dark or Dark Elevation. And probably this week. No, I think I saw a tweet yesterday from them saying that QT had a match on whichever the Tuesday Dark one is, Dark Elevations Tuesdays? I don't know. Last night, I think they said something on Twitter of QT Marshall in a match on the show. Yeah, I bet you, like, nobody even knew who, who this guy was. I said to myself when I was watching it, before they said that, like, he took the mask off, and I go, he looks familiar, but I couldn't tell you his name off the top of my head. Then they said Cole Carter, and then I'm like, Cole. Like, I had to think for a second, Cole Carter. Oh, that's the guy they signed after WWE fired him for popping a drug test. So... I don't know where this is going, but it doesn't sound like Jeff Jarrett's just in for a week or two. I would assume we see Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett take on Sting and Darby pretty soon. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Actually, I would actually I'd kind of like to see that if I'm gonna be completely honest. I wouldn't be against it. Got a pay-per-view coming where up. Where is where is Sting anyway? The, the Jay Lethal and them took him out weeks ago on Rampage, I think it was. No one remembers it. I mean, I would assume like Two weeks before, like, full gear, Sting would return. They say, all right, it's going to be Darby and Sting versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, full gear. Right. Let's see if I can find out. Sting. When was the last time we saw Sting? Sting's last match, and I could be, this could not be, this, hmm, this might not be his last appearance, but his last match was September 21st when they took on him and Darby took on House of Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews in a notice qualification match. Now, I don't think that was the last time we saw Sting, but I'm not 100% sure. Because it feels like it's been a while since we've seen Sting. Oh, yeah. And that was the match where Great Muda returned to... Set up the... Like, st- yeah. the Mist and, and Murphy. Right, right, and then they announced not long after that that Sting's going to fight Muda in Japan. 
So we go to the back with John Moxley. He cut a quick promo on Lee Moriarty, his opponent for the night, and why he's he says he's a credible opponent. Like, really? When you have to tell us that so-and-so is a, quote, credible opponent? No. 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 Uh, Moxley also said that Brian Danielson and himself thought Moriarty was lacking the toughness to run with them, but they haven't written him off yet. Tonight, Moriarty is going to have to dig down deep, and Moxley wants Moriarty to bring the violence. There's a video of the Elite winning the Trios Championships, but quickly they were deleted, and Death Triangle's win was shown instead. The graphic of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks on the AEW advertisement was also replaced with Death Triangle. So I'm, I mean, we don't know yet, but I'm pretty sure, full gear, it's the Elite versus Death Triangle for them Trios titles. I mean, it could be. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. You know, like, to oh, come no. back, they're like, hey, we never lost those titles. We had to relinquish them. And that match would be amazing. Have we seen that match, though? I don't think we have. Not triple... Th- not triple threat. No, not, not, not triple threat. Not trios. Not all six of them. We've seen, like, Pac and Omega. We've seen the Young Bucks and, and Lucha Bros. But we've never seen it as a trio match. I know when AEW first started, we were supposed to see them fight at Fighter Fest, but then, you know, they had issues with Pac when he was the Open the Dragon Gate champion, where he didn't want to lose that that match. Right. So yeah, this is going to be like the first time mm-hmm. we see these guys in a six man match, and it's going to be amazing. Oh yeah, if you thought if you thought the trios title match at all out was good which it was really, really good. This trio's six-man tag, probably three, four times as good. I'm just saying. So we have John Moxley against Lee Moriarty. William Regal joined commentary. Ethan Page also joined commentary as well. No. Regal wasn't on commentary, was he? It was just Ethan Page. For some reason, I wrote down Regal, but I don't remember hearing Regal. I think it was just Ethan Page joined commentary. I know I did hear Ethan Page, but yeah, yeah, I don't think I heard Regal. Yeah, no, I know it was Ethan Page for sure. They asked him about being in the Eliminator Tournament for the number one contendership and losing to Moxley earlier this year. And they're like, hey, who would you rather face if you win the tournament? Moxley or MJF? And he was like, oh, I'd rather face Moxley. So it was Moxley versus Lee Moriarty, and they started with some ground and pound quickly turned into strikes and whatnot. Moxley grounded Moriarty off of a neck chancery suplex, but Moriarty got a cheap shot, posted Moxley, and zoned in on the left arm during the entire commercial break. Moxley hit a suplex, but Moriarty responded with a Northern Lights suplex variation for a near fall. Moriarty trash-talked the world champ and tried for a stomp down with some boots, but Moxley turns the tide with a lariat and stomps of his own. Moriarty then avoided a death rider by going for the arm, but Moxley responded with a cutter. Both men no-sold some suplexes, traded submission attempts, and then Moriarty got the Border City stretch in. Moxley escaped, dropped down some anvil elbows, and sank in a cross armbreaker for the submission victory. There we go. Right after the match ends, Page jumps off commentary, goes down to the ring, and laid out Moxley post-match. Caliber put over Page as being 
one of the favorites in the title eliminator tournament. Tony Schiavone also told us more names for this tournament will be announced this Friday on AEW Rampage. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was Lee Moriarty one of the guys that Blackpool Combat Club tried to like recruit? Yes. At first? Yes. When Danielson first talked about teaming with with uh, Moxley, he was like, we also need some young guys like Wheeler Yuta and a Daniel Garcia and even Lee Moriarty. And then that Lee Moriarty thing went nowhere. He disappeared for a little bit. Then he started doing some Ring of Honor stuff, and now he's with the firm. So let me get a non-segment segment. Like this was nothing happened. Nothing. It was supposed to be a sit-down interview where Renee talked about both Soraya and Britt. We go to the back, or they say filmed earlier or whatever. No, no Britt Baker. And they're like, well, Britt decided not to show, so I'll still talk to Soraya. And basically, she asked Soraya why she's here. Soraya said, it's the outlaw company. These are like the cool kids that wear the, the, the leather jackets. And they're like, okay, well, you haven't wrestled in five years? You got hurt in the ring? What's your medical status? And she literally goes, Soraya goes, well, I was planning on announcing that this week, but um, I'm going to wait till next week because I got to talk to one more doctor. And then they just cut. I'm like, what? There was a nothing happening segment. Britt wasn't there, so they didn't build nothing between her and Soraya. Soraya just said, ah, I'll give you some news next week. What? Come on. That was a waste of five minutes. This Soraya and Britt thing is starting to become a letdown, honestly. A little bit. They're supposed to be like hyping this up, like, oh, it's gonna be like Soraya's like first match in a while. But honestly, it's going nowhere for me. Yeah. Like Soraya talked about how she built divisions. Built divisions? What divisions? Yes, you helped build the NXT women's division. But by the time you made it to the main roster, that division was technically already built. And yeah, I whatever. But then she says, oh, and then I came here because I saw that this division needed some help but had a lot of promise. She goes, Britt doesn't know how to be a star. I know how to be a star. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So I showed Lamar Jackson at ringside as a caliber sent it to the back to Tony Schiavone with Lord William Regal, who got a quick promo on MJF about the main event of Full Gear. Regal said all the potential in the world won't help MJF when he faces a real demon in John Moxley. We then had the daddy ass birthday bash. This was cute. I wouldn't call it horrible or anything. I thought it was amusing and entertaining, but it, it I guess helped set up an eight man tag for next week. The acclaim came out, celebrate Billy Gunn's birthday as Max Caster started a rap, talked about Elon Musk wanting to charge people for Twitter. And a couple of other things. That's the one thing that stood out to me. Anthony Bowens said scissoring has taken over the world. Even in the World Series. And then scissored the cameraman. Have they been scissoring in the World Series? I haven't noticed it. And I've watched most of every game. Gaster then introduced the scissoring foam fingers. Because uh, last week on Rampage, if you didn't see it, I guess... What did they call there? There was a nickname they gave Swerve, but I can't remember what it was now. I didn't write it down, but Swerve. 
Was it Sneaky Swerve? That's it. Yep, yep, yep. Sneaky Swerve. Use like pliers or whatever to damage the hands of Billy Gunn so we can't do the scissor. But they have new foam fingers. Just like this. Two fingers out. Scissor foam fingers. And so they gave Billy Gunn some scissor foam fingers, which fans already had in the crowd. And um, they did the scissor. He had the foam fingers. And then Anthony Bowen scissored him. Whatever. Cool. They then said that the fans may have brought him some gifts as well. They asked the fan, who's got the best gift? And then they just randomly grabbed these like homemade scissor sign things and gave it to Billy. It was whatever. And then he, he scissored a kid in the crowd. Cool. They then gave him a trophy that said world's greatest daddy. They wrote the extra D and Y on the trophy. Bowen said that he had guests booked, but two of them canceled. And the others were upset because Billy didn't show up to their reunion. Oh, shot at WWE there. That got actually a pretty good pop from the crowd, and even Taz laughed at the joke. Because if you don't know, we just had the DX 25th anniversary celebration on Raw a couple of weeks ago. No Billy Gunn. Apparently, the reason Billy wasn't there, Billy thought he was going to be able to be there, but AEW wanted them to basically say Billy works for AEW on the air. WWE wouldn't agree to that. Billy didn't show up. Bones had presented Gunn with a certificate with their signatures already on it for adoption. Like he, They want Billy to adopt them as their legal daddy. All they need is for Billy to sign it. But then Billy's real kids, Colton and Austin Gunn, would interrupt and ask where their invitation was. And they said that they brought a gift. W. Morrissey then showed up and laid out Billy with a big boot. And the firm put the beat down to the acclaimed as well before FTR would run out to make the save. The guns and Morrissey bailed with FTR holding up the tag titles before handing them back to the acclaimed, basically saying, hey, we eventually won our shot. We didn't win the number one contenderships, so we don't get it right now, but we eventually won a shot. Definitely going to lead. I mean, eventually it's going to be, FTR is going to be the ones to take the belts off of the acclaimed. Yes. Well, I think. So I thought... Mm, it's too early to take the belts off of them now. And with all the tension, which we'll talk about here shortly, of Swerve in Our Glory, where Swerve's basically a heel and Keith Lee doesn't want to be a heel. He's a babyface. They're probably not going to be able to, I think, in the tag title match of full gear, like they're not going to be able to get along or something, and that's going to lead them to losing. Acclaim retains the titles, and then we can go on to maybe winter is coming. But I still think... That might still be too soon because the acclaimed are really over. So even winter is coming in early December might even be too soon to take the titles off the acclaimed. But I mean, you got to do it eventually. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but like you see short title reigns all the time. True. And honestly, I don't think it would really affect them. I mean, there'd still be like big baby faces, even oh, though yeah. they would lose the titles. Oh, yeah. And if it's FTR taking the belt, I don't think the fans would really revolt that much. So, fans, I think fans love FTR just oh, as much yeah. as they love the Acclaim. Yeah. So, it would it will not hurt the Acclaim whatsoever. No. Stone Shivani's backstage with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Britt says that this is my only interviewer, speaking about Tony Shivani. Baker said she's only doing interviews on her time with her interviewer. Jamie Hayter then said she is sick of the conspiracies and wants to wrestle. 
So Jamie Hayter, or not Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker stole two of her gimmicks from WWE. She stole the role model thing from Bailey and the conspiracy thing from Sami Zayn. Just saying. Baker then agreed that they need some action and they want to face two women in a tag team match this week on Rampage. You want to be a cool storyline though? Huh? If like Jamie Hayter like ends up beating Tony for the women's title, then then Britt gets jealous and attacks Jamie. Ooh, I'd like that actually. I thought eventually that might happen. Something along those lines, like Britt, either like you're saying attacks, like that's a good one too. But I also was thinking along the lines of Britt doesn't want Jamie to win the title, so she doesn't actually fully help her at full gear. That could be a thing too. I wouldn't be against that. Right. Also, as far as the team they're going to face on Rampage, it's Sky Blue and Madison Rain. Let me go forward. We have Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, and Jake Hager make their way out to the ring because Jericho is going to defend the title, the Ring of Honor World title, against a mystery opponent. Any former Ring of Honor champion. Doesn't have to be a world champion. It can be anybody. Well, that's a former pure champion, tag champion. He said, I'll even face a former woman's champion. Jericho then goes, hey, I'll even kick Lamar Jackson's ass. And that got a huge reaction from the crowd. My dad actually hates Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Which is funny, though, because he has Lamar Jackson as his QB in our fantasy football league. That's funny, actually. So, we're sitting there, and we're waiting, and Jericho's like, bring him out! Bring out my opponent, and we hear, boom, boom, Colt Cabana, boom, boom! Colt Cabana gets a big pop in Baltimore, and I'm like, oh, okay. Unlike, like, so, Brian Alvarez apparently said earlier today, people are going to freak out over Jericho's opponent. I wasn't freaking out, I was shocked and surprised, I was like, oh, didn't see this one coming. I didn't freak out or nothing. I don't think a lot of people like freaked out that it was Colt Cabana. The timing of it being Colt Cabana was pretty cute by AEW. But oh, also, also, Tony Khan just tweeted out less than 10 minutes ago. Jeff Jarrett is all elite. It says, welcome. Next, I'm going to pull this tweet up on the screen really fast. Give me two seconds, guys. I'm going to pull this tweet up on the screen. This was just sent to me. All right, let's see. It says, "Welcome to AEW. Uh, welcome to AEW Dynamite. The new AEW Director of Business Development, real Jeff Jarrett. So he's not just a talent; he's got a backstage role." It says, "I look forward to expanding the AEW live events calendar in 2023, plus in future years." With Double J. Uh, whoever these other people are. Uh, Raphael Morphy and Mookie Ghana and our entire AEW team. Jeff Jarrett is all elite. So, Jeff Jarrett is not just brought in as a talent, but he's an executive. He's got a official office job. And that's the same office job he had in WWE. Basically in charge of booking the live events as far as booking the buildings and getting everything squared away for that. So... Congratulations, Jeff Jarrett, and his new job with All Elite Wrestling. Huh. Same, 
it's interesting that he's got the same job that he had with WWE. Where it's like, when he got that job with WWE, I was kind of like shocked. Because I'm like, Jeff Jarrett in charge of booking the venues? Okay, whatever. Where were we? Oh yeah, Coco Banna came out for the Jericho match. Give me one second to switch this back over. Oh, we did. Coco Bannon comes out, gets a great reaction from the live crowd. The match is on. Uh, Ian Riccoboni was also on commentary here since it was a Ring of Honor World title match. Jericho controlled... Well, actually, Colt Cabana controlled the early portions of this match. Every time Jericho would attack, Cabana would counter with the same... Basically the same attacks, but like twice as hard onto Jericho. Cabana quickly cut Jericho off at one point and tried a Chicago skyline on the middle ropes. And I don't know if this was a planned spot or not, but basically he couldn't hold Jericho up on his shoulders as he's sitting on the top turnbuckle and Jericho falls off of him, crashes to the floor. Cabana crashes to the floor and we go to commercial break. I don't know if that was a planned spot or if Jericho literally fell off of his shoulders. Jericho controlled the action through the break though and Cabana immediately Mounted a comeback with a flying apple and some strikes. Cabana got a near fall off of a corner splash, went for a moonsault, and got crotched. Cabana reversed an electric chair into a victory roll for a two. Jericho tried to counter into the walls of Jericho, but Cabana broke free. Jericho got an eye poke out of a flip-flop, flip-flop and fly, and then Cabana avoided a Judas effect and sank in the Billy Goat's curse. Jericho uh, got free of that move, and Cabana hit, a su- uh, hit the Superman pin, only for Hager to pull his hands out from under him. Cabana responded by hitting a huge moonsault to the floor, wiping out both Garcia and Jake Hager. Cabana hit another flying apple and went for a charge, but ran into a code breaker where Jericho would then pick up the victory. Chris Jericho does successfully retain the Ring of Honor world title against uh, Colt Cabana, and I, I had a feeling that Jericho was going to retain, but there was a thought in the back of my head of, man, if they really are mad at CM Punk, what what bigger F you to CM Punk than to put the Ring of Honor title on Colt Cabana? <clears throat> that that would be hilarious. I, I honestly thought Jericho's opponent would have been like really Yuta, because it would have been like, hey, Yuta and Claudio beat Jericho and Garcia. The tag match, so why not you to challenge Jericho for the Ring of Honor World Title? True, but I think it was that would have been a little bit what's the word too obvious, and fans, some fans or most fans probably would have been a little bit let down by that because you know we've seen this whole they're bringing in former champions, they're bringing in former wrestlers from Ring of Honor to face Jericho. Oh, it's Wheeler Yuta. Eh. I mean, I think we'll get Wheeler Universe Jericho one-on-one eventually before. So here's my question to you. I'm 99% sure it's going to be eventually again Claudio versus Jericho for that belt. Do they do that at full gear or do you think they wait till final battle on December 10th? I'd say do it at final battle because like, I mean, I know Jericho is probably not going to lose the belt for a while, but mm-hmm. I'd say if you're just trying to like sell tickets at Final Battle, why not do Jericho versus Claudio? So then, what do you do with Jericho at Full Gear? Maybe a tag match? I'd say you probably do a Jericho Appreciation Society against 
uh, Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, maybe like a six-man or something. You can do... Ooh, I got it. I got it. Jericho, Sammy, Garcia, Claudio, Danielson, Yuta. Six-man. Yeah. Yeah, do that. I mean, they're already, like, teasing it. I mean, and we'll talk about it right now. Post-match of this title match... Jericho and Garcia and Hager walked up the ramp and they wanted to go after Ian Riccoboni, which they kind of did. Matt Menard and Angelo Parker grabbed uh, Riccoboni from the commentary table and before Jericho could hit him, he, well, Jericho took his glasses, put them on, said, hey, then broke Ian Riccoboni's glasses. Then um, looked like he was going to hit him or whatever. Went out, would run Claudio to make the save. The numbers were too much for Claudio. Then out came Brian Danielson. The numbers were still too much. Out came Wheeler Yuta. Sammy then eventually showed up. Huge brawl. People pulling them apart. Fans chanting, let them fight, let them fight. Taz even said, yeah, I don't want to see him fight. Let him fight, let him fight. So I think there is a good chance we get that six man. I mean, yeah, you got to do something with those guys at full gear. Exactly. Renee Paquette is backstage with a death triangle as Phoenix is talking about his upcoming All-Atlantic Championship match, triple threat against Orange Cassidy and Luchasaurus. Pac then says, hey, you want to be a double champion? You know what you got to do. I got your golden ticket right here. And he shows them the hammer. He's like, just use the hammer. That's all you got to do. Pac gets kind of upset and he just walks off. Penta was like, Oh, we're going to go figure out what's going on. And then he and they all leave. It was a weird segment, but it played into the match. Like, it was weird because, I don't know, they just didn't all feel like they were on the same page for some reason. But it, it played into what happens towards the end of the match. So it's all good. I mean, to me, it kind of looks like maybe, like, Pac turns on, like, the Lucha Bros and maybe, like, someone else teams with Pac to fight them. I mean, yes, but they're doing the exact same thing with Swerve in Our Glory. One member of the team is turning heel. The others are baby faces. Eventually, the one's going to turn on the baby. It's like they're doing the same thing with Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Am I wrong? You're not, you're not wrong with that. Right, because I'm like thinking about it, and I'm like, it, it's very similar. And yes, Hot Rod Bubba. AW is coming here to Fresno, Save Mart Center, Wednesday, January 18th. Yes, if I'm going to go, plan on trying to go. I don't know if I'm going to go for sure, but if I do go, the venue with no traffic is only 10 minutes down the street from me. So if you really think about it, I can go to the show and be back home. Maybe not right when we normally go live around 720-ish. We're pretty close to that. If I like get out of there and just run out of the building, get in my car and leave. So I'm going to attempt to go. Actually, I might be able to. Ooh, I could probably get home quicker than I think because the on-ramp for the freeway is literally right there at the building. And the off-ramp is literally less than like less than a block from my place. Yeah, I'm going to try and go and we'll still, we should still be able to do the review me and Luke. And I think that would be a fun one because if I go, you'll have my live perspective and Luke's watched it on TV perspective. So I am going to try to go. That is the plan. And then we'll do the review as quickly as we can right after. 
So we got That'd actually be pretty fun though. Right, because then I can be like, well, the crowd did this and this and this, and you can be like, well, it didn't sound like that on TV. Or then you can, because there's going to be things where like, you know, you see it all the time where the camera can zoom in on something where we may not be able to see in the live crowd. So like back in January, I did go to the Royal Rumble show. Okay. Like in person, it was fun. I can definitely see if you're watching on TV, it could definitely, it was definitely like a letdown. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, show, but like watching wrestling like in real life is actually pretty fun. Like even if the show itself was bad, mm-hmm. it's just like it's fun to like, right. watch in real life. Well, that's like I was at the very first AW show, the very first Double or Nothing, and I've watched it since the whole way through. You know, on TV compared to being there live, and this I'm gonna say it right now the show. Almost felt like a different show watching it on TV compared to being there live, especially that Cody Dustin match. That Cody Dustin match, there was just some, there was a different feeling and vibe to that match being there live and surrounded by the fans going crazy and everything. So it's like, it'll be cool if we could do that review of my live experience compared to you watching it on TV just moments after, you know, like 20, 30 minutes after. Hopefully it's not. Too long after, but regardless, I think that'd be a really fun review to do because you don't really get many. This person was there, and this person watched on TV, and boom, they're doing. You know, you don't get min- that many many reviews like that from different outlets and stuff. Would you be there taking notes as well? No, but half uh, full transparency. Most of the notes I use, I have a friend take them for me because I'll just say it right now. A lot of times when I'm watching Dynamite on Wednesdays, I'm actually watching it while I'm at my daughter's soccer practice. So I have a friend that takes notes for me most weeks, actually. So that's why sometimes when I stumble through the notes, because they're not my notes. He was like, because one time I was like, man, I got to remember all this stuff. And he's like, well, I'm watching it live anyways. I can take the notes for you and send them over. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. So we have the All-Atlantic title match. It's triple threat, which means no disqualification. Remember the whole pack said use the hammer thing. Phoenix and Orange Cassidy wisely tried to do the numbers thing on Luchasaurus, the big man who had a barrage of offense that sent him to the outside. Cassidy tried his kicks on Phoenix. He hit a snazzy arm drag and ate a springboard uh, kick to the face in return. Multiple revelations of a tornado DDT from Cassidy who tried to put his hands in his pockets as Luchasaurus rose and took both men out to take uh, control in the picture-in-picture. Christian then joined commentary during the break as Cassidy tried a stun dog millionaire and hit an orange punch and sent Luchasaurus to the floor. Cassidy and Phoenix were then going at it and they opted for a double dive instead. Luchasaurus caught both men and sent Cassidy into the ring steps and chokeslammed Phoenix through the ring and a ring attendant table at ringside. Cassidy was then booted up the ramp as Excalibur reminded us it's a triple threat, no count outs, no disqualification. Luchasaurus who was about to choke slam Cassidy off the stage was met by jungle jo- jungle boy, Jack Perry, who smacked him across the back with a chair. After a running start, Perry then cross body blocked Luchasaurus off the stage through a table, and they're like, oh my god, that's the same area of the stage that Luchasaurus chokeslammed Jungle Boy on. I'm like, okay. 
But I don't know why that... I mean, I get why that's kind of significant, but it doesn't really matter. He took him out. He took him out. Pack then appears at ringside, and he's like, I got a hammer for you. Phoenix, all you got to do is use it. You can't get disqualified. And Phoenix is like, no. Uh-uh, I don't want it. Phoenix actually just takes the hammer and throws it away. But Phoenix took too much time. And after trading some near falls, Phoenix went for a somersault, but leapt right into an orange punch, allowing Orange Cassidy to take him out and pin him to retain the title. So Orange Cassidy remains the All-Atlantic champion. After the match, Pac immediately attacks Orange Cassidy. He grabs another hammer and was about to hit the hammer or hit Orange Cassidy with the hammer when none other than Katsuyori Shibata make his way out onto the stage accompanied by best friends. Pac would quickly bail, and as Shibata's walking down the ramp, he finds the hammer that Phoenix had thrown and kind of looks at it, looks down at Pac, looks at the hammer, and gets into the ring. He then gets a contract and signs it, giving himself an All-Atlantic title match this Friday on Rampage against Orange Cassidy. Yes, you heard me right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Orange Cassidy defending the All-Atlantic Championship Friday in Atlantic City against Katsuyori Shibata. Holy shit. Because that's my all-time favorite Japanese wrestler. Yes, Kid Vicious, Rocky Romero was there as well. I lump him in with, with best friends whenever he does anything in AEW. But yes, Rocky was there as well. Shibata. Thoughts? I absolutely love Shibata. He is one of my like favorite like all-time Japanese wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Mine I mean, for sure. I, I would assume this would probably just be like a safe match, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His last match was the Tokyo Dome this past year. It was a almost 12-minute match against Ren Narita. Apparently, that match was supposed to be like some short, super safe match. And the word from that was that he literally went to Ren Narita and was like, we're just having a match. They don't want us to, but just do what I say. And that match ended up being freaking fantastic. So I kind of have a, I say it right, I, I say it all the time, eh, Rampage is kind of missable. Uh-uh, not for me at least, because Shibata's, like I said, one of my favorite Japanese wrestlers of all time. But I will be watching Rampage this week, if for nothing else, that match. Actually, for nothing else, because if we can fast forward right now, things announced for this week's Rampage, Orange Cassidy versus Shibata, uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter against Sky Blue and Madison Rain, and they're going to announce more things for the Eliminator Tournament, plus Mike Tyson on commentary. That's it. That's all that's been announced for Rampage. So, but I do want to see Orange Cassidy and Shibata. I would say, you know, maybe the reason why they really haven't announced anything else for Rampage, because they probably want their main focus to be Shibata versus Orange Cassidy. Hopefully. That would probably be my guess. Well, they should be... So, usually they announce three matches... And then they throw a fourth squash in there. That's that's usually, what's the word I'm looking for? The format. I would assume Orange Cassidy and Shibata is the main event. And yeah, maybe one more match gets announced before Rampage. And then whatever that random two-minute squash match is going to be. 
maybe something with Powerhouse Hobbs because of what you know we saw at the end of the of the show tonight. Moving forward, Tony Schiavone was backstage with Swerve Strickland and rapper Rick Ross, who said he's here for one reason, to make sure Swerve is the biggest in the industry and in rap. And things got a little awkward here once Keith Lee appeared, and you can really tell what's going to happen. Eventually, we're going to get a feud. We're finally going to get the payoff, it seems like. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, because Swerve's slowly turning heel, but Keith Lee don't want to. Keith walks in and said that he hadn't heard from Swerve all week, but he saw what he did last week to Billy Gunn, and he asked him, who was holding the camera? Who was behind the camera? And Swerve wouldn't tell him. He's like, hey, 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 don't worry about that. And Rick Ross is like, we're here to talk about good things. None of these accusations. And Keith Lee's like, accusations? We all saw it. What do you mean accusations? And Swerve goes, how about we talk about something else? Let's 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 do something else. Next week, eight-man tag. You and me and the guns against FTR and the acclaimed. And Keith Lee's sitting there kind of just like, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want he's got this like, I don't want to do that vibe and look on his face. And it's like, come on. I don't I just don't want to do it. And they're like, all right, it's set, it's it's announced, it's made. So I guess we're getting that eight-man tag next week. I would say what they could do, maybe at full gear, if you have the acclaim retain against Swerve in our glory, maybe like, I don't know, maybe like Swerve is trying to like cheat to win, but you know, Keith's like, hey, I want to win like fair and square. Maybe at the end of the match, Swerve's like, you know what? Screw you. I don't need you. I'll do my own thing. Right? Because that's, I was kind of thinking the same thing. One or the other walks out. And it was like, hey, you want to you want to be like this? Bye. Because I could see I could see Keith Lee being the one walking out because like Swerve tries to cheat and Keith Lee, like you were saying, doesn't want to cheat or whatever. So eventually, maybe he goes, yeah, I I'm not with this. You want to be like this? See ya. I could see that happening for sure, and then that leads to whatever feud. I mean, the match between the two is going to be really good. I would assume. Next up, we had Jade Cargill versus Marina Shafir. TBS title match, even though Jade don't got the belt. They said that Jade Cargill and Bow Wow took social media by storm last week. And I go, really? I saw like one tweet about this. Bow Wow said that he wanted to wrestle for AEW. And then he, maybe I saw two tweets. He said something about wanting to wrestle for AEW and then like called out Jade for something. And Jade's like, you can't afford me. You're not good enough for me. I don't know. I didn't pay too much attention to it. And then they kind of like just glossed over it, whatever. So we had Jade versus Marina Shafir. Before the match could even start, Nyla Rose's music would hit. And then we hear, excuse me, excuse me. And out comes Nyla and Vicky. Nyla takes the mic, looks over at commentary and goes, take the rest of this match off. We got commentary. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And soon as that happens, the crowd just dies. They go dead silent. They do not want to hear Nyla live commentate on the live house mic. So the other thing that just made this crappy is they're commentating and trying to get Jade's attention, and Jade's just ignoring the shit out of them. Like, she's not selling it. 
she's not nothing for the first like two or three minutes of this match. You know, the match itself only went like four minutes itself. And so she gets Marina Shafir. She throws her out of the ring. They start fighting around ringside or whatever. She throws her back into the ring. And then she starts walking up the ramp to where Nyla and Vicky are. And Nyla says something about the belt. And then she's like, oh, but if you want to still remain the champion, if you care about your numbers so bad, you may want to see what number the referee's at right now. Jade then runs down to the ring. They never actually told us. We couldn't tell what number the ref was at, but they're like, oh, she barely made it back into the ring. So I'm assuming the ref was at eight or nine, maybe. Um, They start fighting back in the ring. Jade Cargill and Marina Shafir. Not much more happens. Shafir uh, nearly got on a knee bar, but Jade got free and hit a pump kick. Jade was pissed off, flattened Shafir with the Jaded, and pinned her one, two, three. So after the match, Kira Hogan tried to Sneak up on Nyla Rose from behind on the ramp to steal back the TBS title. But Nyla knocked her out. And there we go. Nyla leaves. Jade walks up the ramp. Stands over Kira Hogan. Basically tells her she failed. And the segment's over. That was it. Eh. That was whatever. How would you feel if Nyla Rose was the one to take the TBS title away from Jade? I mean, someone's got to do it. I think the whole... I stole your belt. You can't get it back for me thing is kind of dumb. But I mean, who else is going to, I mean, I, if Nyla's the one to take it, Nyla's the one to take it. But I really think it's got to be somebody. I just, whoever takes, whoever beats her for the belt, also beats the undefeated record. She's 41 to know. And I just don't see that being Nyla. I don't see Nyla benefiting from that. I think it's got to be somebody that can benefit from beating Jade, because, I mean, they've built Jade up as this big mega star. She's undefeated and all of this, and we see Jade has progressed and gotten better, and it's just like, I don't want to see Jade lose, because I don't feel like there's anybody, as I just said, worthy of beating the undefeated streak, but she's got to lose eventually, and it's like, but to who? This would be cool. This would be like a cool idea. I don't know when this person is coming back, though. But for me, I would say, you know, give that title to Chris Statlander. I mean, I don't know when she's coming back, but she's a she's a possibility. That would actually work, actually. I think that would be a good one where Jade Jade maybe goes, and I don't know when Chris Statlander's coming back either, but maybe Jade gets to 50, and she's like, I'm 50, you know. Still nobody's beat me. I've beat all these women twice. She's like, now I'll face anybody. And then out comes Chris. I think Chris Satlander could be a good one to, to take the belt off of her. I didn't think about that. I think that'd be a good one. Especially with the start and stop because Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander's been injured twice. And so it's like every time she starts to get momentum, boom, nothing. She gets hurt. So I wouldn't be against it. I think that's actually a really good idea. If anyone's could benefit from beating Jade. I think it could be Chris Statlander, who they've tried to push as a big star multiple times and just the injury thing. And that could hold her back from being the one as well. No, I like that idea. I really do. Yeah, hopefully when she comes back, she stays healthy to where they finally like put a title on her. I remember she became number one contender 
for the woman, the world title. Did she ever get that match? I remember she faced Britt Baker at All Out for the that, title. Yeah, that was that might have been it. Last year, last year at All Out. Yes, now that I'm thinking about it, because she was injured. Let me see. In August. And yeah, she's got to have another M uh, ACL surgery. So that's oh. seven months. That's at least seven months, if not longer. Um, video package played for House of Black. Julia Hart seemingly trying, uh, tying up Malachi and Brody King. She sent uh, one out to sea. She buried another. Uh, oh, Buddy Murphy as well. She sent one to sea. She burned one and buried another. They said, all must end. So all must suffer anew. Screen goes black. Malachi's voice is then heard saying, quote, Father of the black light. Giver of the sight that takes. Giver of the sight that creates. Forgive me, not father. Forgive me, now mother. Now, tomorrow... On his Twitch channel, Malachi Black is making some sort of a surprise announcement. We don't know exactly what it is. He teased it in his wife's Discord. He went on his wife's Discord and was like, actually, I can pull up the exact thing. I didn't see this. Luke sent this to me earlier, which we won't talk about what happened after I tweeted this. Um, but he did state... Hey everyone, I, Tom, will be returning to Twitch tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern with a massive surprise for you. Hope to see you all then on the House of Black channel. So I don't know what he's going to announce, but it should be interesting. Should be pretty cool. Watch it just I mean, be watch it just be some freaking merch drop for his clothing line or something. Yeah, it would be a really let down. It's like, hey, I got new merch for House of Black. So make sure you go buy it. Well, he's got his own merch company. But I can't Black remember. Clothing. Is that just what it is? I thought it was a different name. Um, Black Mask Clothing? That might be it. I can tell you right now. One of those two. It is... Um... Can I find it? Yeah, Black Mask Clothing. You were right. Yeah, I knew it was one of the one of them too. Yeah, Black Mask. He has a lot of people like like modeling the clothes for him yep. as well. He's had Ava Rain. He's had Rhea Ripley. A bunch of people. So we go to our main event, and I go, "Oh, I totally forgot about this match. It was Smojo versus Brian Cage," and they're like. And coming up, our main event, Samoa Joe defends the Ring of Honor Television Championship against Brian Cage. And I go, oh, yeah, I forgot about this match. That's our main event. Okay, whatever. Like, uh, it was all right. I thought the match itself was pretty good. But as a main event, mm, I guess it's, you could justify it by going, but it's Samoa Joe. Yeah, whatever. Kaz reminded us that at one point, he managed both of these men in their career. As most people probably completely forgot that Taz 
managed Samoa Joe and TNA. Because I did. Early on, Joe mowed down Cage, but Cage turned the tides only to play to the crowd way too long, allowing Joe to take over with a nice enziguri in the corner. Fritz Nana ran distraction momentarily to let Cage hit a standing drop kick and put the boots to Joe. Excalibur questioned whether Cage should trade strikes with someone like Joe, as Taz let us know that Joe kicks like the Dickens. They're like, his legs are super strong. Cage then hit a corner in Ziguri of his own and a standing German suplex that dropped Joe on his right or right on his shoulder. Cage then worked a long chin lock during a commercial break, and as soon as they returned, Cage hit a pitch perfect moonsault dive over, over the top rope. Somersault, not moonsault. All right, I got something caught in my throat. Uh, Cage posted for the posed for the crowd, which then let Joe answer with a Manhattan drop, a charging boot, and a senton for a two. There was a snap power slam that got Joe another great near fall. Cage then spun out of a power bomb, sent Joe into the ropes, and hit a tiger faint kick. Cage went up to oh, up top for a twisting elbow and got a close two off of it. Cage then came within inches of dropping Joe on his head off of a pump handle driver. Joe luckily landed on his face. Cage then hit an angle slam and a discus lariat for another near fall. Joe tried the rear naked choke, and Cage tried to counter into another slam. But Joe switched arms quickly and got the rear naked choke for the submission victory. I thought overall as a match, really good. And I was, and, and maybe this is a positive. I was shocked that there was barely any interference from the embassy during the match itself. There was like, one quick little thing with Prince Nana, and that was it. The rest of the match were damn clean, which shocked the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought this match was decent. I mean, I, I felt really bad that Brian Cage lost because, like, I'm, I'm a big Brian Cage fan. Like, I've always, like, supported him. But for him to lose another, like, championship match, he lost, he got squashed by Wardlow a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. And he lost to Joe for the TV title. I'm like, man. Yeah, I've always been a big proponent of Brian Cage as well, especially since he's from the area. I know a lot of people that know him. I've only met him once, I want to say. But I know plenty of people that know him. I know there's um, a friend of mine that I went to high school with. Actually, I was from like third grade through high school with that um, Cage used to do bodybuilding stuff with and whatnot. So... When they say from the 559, you know, that's here, Fresno area. So, Cage is a local guy. So, I've always been, you know, root for the local people. Root for the, the, the local guys. And I've always liked Cage. And, like, uh, what they're doing with him in AEW, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, you have a guy like him on your roster, and this is how you're using him? There's, like, so many, like, so much stuff you could do with him. Especially me, like awesome matches you could do with him. Especially this is how you're using him. Especially with the way they brought him in as this tremendous signing. What does he do? He immediately becomes number one contender for the world title, winning the ladder match, the casino ladder match. And then it's just like he did the stuff. I think what hurt him the most was that freaking FTW belt. You put that FTW title on him, you make it seem like, oh, he's a champion. But everyone knows that FTW title is a fucking joke. Complete joke. It's a nothing belt. It means nothing. Especially in a company that already has 15 titles that mean nothing. So, 
I think that's one of the things that hurt Cage early on was putting the FTW belt on him, having him walk around with that belt, calling him a champion, never really ever defending it. And then he break him off from Team Taz. And then they do nothing with him and they go, oh, we're going to use them for Ring of Honor. Well, what is Ring of Honor in AEW? A joke as well. After the match, Gates of Agony hit the ring and beat up Joe until Wardlow run out and run them off. He stared at them until Powerhouse Hobbs would jump into the ring and attack and take down Wardlow with a spine buster. Hobbs would stand over Wardlow, holding the TNT Championship, making what they said it was another statement as he wants the TNT belt. They said, just like he did on Rampage last week. Well, this guy didn't watch Rampage, so I didn't know that he already had done that. That's how the show went off the air, with Hobbs standing tall over Wardlow, holding the TNT Championship. I assume this is probably going to be Hobbs versus Wardlow at full gear for the TNT title. Hot take. Hobbs wins. I'd love for them to put the title on Hobbs. I know a lot of people are probably like, don't beat Wardlow. Nope. I say beat Wardlow and put the TNT title on Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, Wardlow has to lose eventually, so why not put it on Wardlow? Right. Exactly. Also uh, announced, I said it earlier though, but announced for Rampage, Orange Cassidy will defend the All-Atlantic Championship against Katsuyori Shibata. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, will be teaming with Jamie Hayter to take on Sky Blue and Madison Ring. More names will be announced for the AEW's title eliminator tournament, culminating at full gear. And Myron Mike Tyson will be on commentary for the entire show this Friday. Also announced for next week, we do have FTR on the acclaim, taking on the teams of Swerving Our Glory and the Gun Club. So with that, guys, that was AEW Dynamite. Overall, I thought it was an okay show, nothing special or anything. But it wasn't horrible. I've seen people crapping all over this show online. But I wouldn't think it was, you know, calling it the worst Dynamite ever worthy. I wouldn't say that. I mean, they're doing a decent job of, like, building towards stuff for full gear. Yeah, that's for sure. Which they did officially announce. I think you alluded to it earlier. Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter is official for the belt, for the pay-per-view. Also, I forgot the Twitch poll, so we only got the YouTube and the Twitter poll. Also, remember, if you want to be part of the show, you can do so by texting in to 510 506-1341. 906-1341. Again, text into 510-906-1341. As far as the polls do go, Twitter poll here. Wow. Completely split all the way down. 33%, 33%, 33%. I liked it. All right. Didn't like it. Damn. Like exactly perfect for the Twitter poll. And as far as the YouTube community poll, 51% liked the show. 25% thought it was just all right, and 24% didn't like Dynamite. Some of the comments here, this person says, um, too much ROH. I mean, I could see where you would you could argue that. Um, AW Dynamite was good, but that Jade Cargill match was trash. <laughs> okay. And this person said, kind of boring. I could see at times where you could have been bored with this show. I could see it. Hence why I said it wasn't a great show, but it wasn't like one of the worst they've done. As far as the text messages do go, got a couple here. Versus says, do you see, oh, you asked me the same question earlier. Do you see Nyla Rose 
being the one to take the TBS championship. We kind of already talked about that. Here's a good question. It's not AEW related, but is Crown Jewel still taking place this weekend? As far as the last couple of hours, from the last I heard, yes. Crown Jewel is still happening, but WWE does have everything on high alert because the whole Iran could attack Saudi Arabia at any time thing. So, yes, as of this afternoon, late evening, or early evening, the show is still scheduled to be taking place this Saturday. And another text message this person says, Do you think Pac, the former Neville, is somebody Triple H would be interested in bringing back to WWE? I can't say for sure, but if I was Triple H, I'd want him back. I'd 100% want him back. We've seen how much Triple H likes him. I mean, he was NXT champion for a very long time. An amazing NXT champion. And I think Triple H can do wonders with him on the main roster, whether that's on Raw or SmackDown, or even putting him back in NXT before bringing him to the main roster. So I don't know if Triple H would want to bring Pac or the former Neville back to WWE, but he'd be dumb not to at least think about it. I mean, yeah, like I would, I would love, I wouldn't mind it, but I mean, I highly doubt Pac would want to go back to WWE. Well, but you, I, I can see where you can think that because of the way his whole exit went. But if Triple H is now in charge, and we know how Triple H used him in NXT, and we see now how like Triple H is using Johnny Gargano and stuff, it's not like oh, if you're small, you're gonna be thrown to the wayside. No, it's new guy in charge, so. Maybe that can entice him, just even a little bit. I do get what you're saying, but we have—I think we have seen guys like say, like, like even though Triple H is in charge, like I'm already like happy where I am. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen that with Swerve. I think Claudio also said the same thing in an interview. Well, with Swerve, he's under contract and can't leave anytime soon, anyways. But I think the one thing with Pac is they'd probably want him to move to the States. And with AEW, he could still live in England or in the UK, wherever he's from. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited if you're watching live or if you're watching or listening later, whether that's YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited or podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. I will be back live Friday for the wrestling wrap-up and then the SmackDown review. And then we'll be back Saturday for the WWE Crown Jewel review as well. So with that, guys, have a great rest of your Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you a little bit later, later on in the week. Have a good night, guys.